and welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor of C-Store Decisions Magazine. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. First, let me thank Getco and our other retail partners for everything they've done for our communities to get us through the pandemic. Like Getco, After Industries is located in the Pittsburgh area, where our two manufacturing plants produce the world-famous Garage Gorilla gas island cleaning products. Garage Gorilla products are safe, environmentally friendly, and they work better than anything else available. They are widely used by convenience stores and travel plazas across the nation. The simple four-quart first start kit is under $40 and is a great way to get rolling. For more information, contact your grocery wholesaler, Google Garage Griller, or go to www.apterindustries.com. Today we're here with John Cox. John is the Vice President and Chief Merchant for GetGo. GetGo is headquartered in Pittsburgh and operates 265 stores in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, and Maryland. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron and uh, Frank for having me. It's uh, nice to see you guys. So, John, the last time that I saw you in person, um, a while ago now that any of us have seen uh, people in person with uh, travel on hold with the pandemic, but I believe it was during uh, a national advisory group conference. And I heard you speaking about how the core customer for convenience stores has kind of evolved. You know, I know when I started in 2009 writing about the convenience store industry, Bubba was you know, all everything we talked about was Bubba and the, the main convenience store customer. And so I know you were talking about how you've seen that that Bubba customer kind of evolve uh, into a different core customer today. So tell us about how you've seen that evolution and how that has impacted how GetGo goes to market today in 2021. Well, Aaron, I think that's a I think that's a great question, because I think, you know, Bubba, He's still really important, right? I mean, the laborers, the landscapers, the you know the the daily commuters. Um, that Bubba is still very important to what we do. Um, I think the pandemic also shifted some of that as well. So as you start to think about, um, you know, we, during the pandemic we lost we lost mom. You know, we lost some of the kids because you didn't have soccer events on the weekends. You didn't have um, kids going to school. And so the, the hope now is that all of that is going to come back. So as you start to look at like um, some of the, I use the East coast retailers as uh, just not to exclude anybody else, but if you look at like a sheets and Wawa, because they're in our market along with us, I think we've changed what the customers expect to get from what is a, gas station and it's really now a great culinary um experience you know you're you're made to order it's large and clean and inviting stores it's an innovative offer um um you know vegetarian plant-based um you still get your double cheeseburger with bacon and 18 toppings that you want (laughs) um but it's also you know an evolution of great to go snack items so salads yogurt parfaits it was really seen and leaned and lent into during the pandemic into kind of uh, meals for one. So the customers have replaced the traditional breakfast day part of 
coffee and breakfast sandwich to a later experience. So coffee business shifted from hot to cold later in the day. And so as you start to think about um, the food offering beyond Bubba, it's really important to say, how do you get share a stomach, so to speak, right? In that dinner day part, you, you have to be ready to evolve into meals, meals for ones. You also have to be ready to evolve into um, beyond the typical menu items. So, you know, during the pandemic, we use that time to roll into um, bowls. We expanded our burrito and quesadilla line. Um, we brought in some more kind of comfort food type items um, in our Meals for One program. We brought in, you know, just some different snack offers to try to grab just that extra share of the business later in the day. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's really what we've evolved into. And let me ask you, I know before the pandemic hit, I think, was it, I might have the name wrong, but was it Taylor, the name you used to describe kind of like this millennial, um, you know, both male and female customer that was kind of coming up behind Bubba and, and causing you to kind of look at what you offered in a different way. Is that still the case or has the pandemic really changed that? Um, I, I think the pandemic slowed it down in the beginning because we did use Taylor. That was the the name. That was the name. Um, So, uh, but, but Taylor, that can, whether it's um, millennial, male, female, um, kids, um, even kind of mom, right? So Bubba would bring the family on Saturday because he was used to coming during the week. And we, we pride ourselves on the fact that you, we have something to offer for everybody. So if you have a gluten allergy, we have gluten-free. If you're a vegetarian, you know, we have vegetarian options. If you just want to eat healthier, we have that as well. So what we've seen is that that slowed down a little bit during the that slowed down a little bit during the pandemic, but we fully expect once people get kind of back out and about um, this summer and beyond, is that Taylor um, comes back, and in, in my opinion, and faster and quicker than Taylor came to the C store because you're talking about a 5,500 for us, a 5,500 square foot box that's cleaned hourly that customers feel safe in when they want to make fewer trips. We also have, you know, embraced technology where you can order from the app, um, mobile app and payment. We have self checkout so you can get in, you can get out. You don't have to have any interaction with anybody and you can get what you want the way you want it and leave the store and feel safe. And I think that is going to be a larger appeal to the, the tailor that um, people have to consider. You know, something I'm curious for your thoughts on too is I've I've heard a number of retailers um, effectively describe this, saying that um, prior to the pandemic, the whole value proposition was really based around grab and go and meeting a grab and go customer and serving that type of behavior. But now it's really switched to just convenient meals. It's not necessarily someone going from point A to point B. It's just someone leaving home and trying to find something at a reasonable price that's high quality, that's already prepared because maybe they're tired of cooking at home. I mean, personally, I'm kind of feeling that, to be honest. Uh, We were all in on cooking everything for a few months. And then lately, I'm just like, 
gosh, I just want something that's just made by the somebody else right now. The baking and cooking phase of quarantine has uh, has calmed down. <laughs> oh, I'm so passed out of that phase. Yeah, no, I, I'm all about just who can make me something right now when I want it. Um, are you guys kind of seeing that, or you know, or or are, are people just leaving home and c- coming to you for lunch and breakfast and then turning right back around and going home? I, I think we're <clears throat> I think we're seeing both. I think you know we're from a pandemic standpoint. I think. Uh, across the industry, um, get go is no different. You know, the breakfast day part was largely impacted. So you lost a lot of coffee, you lost your breakfast sandwich. But, you know, Frank, to your point, I think people are looking right now for a place that's safe, a place that's clean. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this bridge moment for the next few months where customers are looking to not cook at home, have something that either they can pick up quick or that they can have made to order, um, but don't have to go to an indoor dining establishment to get there. I think people are still a little leery of sitting inside in larger groups and things of that nature. So I think we're seeing kind of a combination of both right now as you start to look at um, what our business is. But I think I, I do agree with you that the kind of cooking at home and baking at home, um, I think that part of the, the pandemic has or is starting to pass. People want to get out, even if it's a meal that's already prepared that they just take home and put in the oven or heat up in the microwave. I think they're wanting something different. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and you know, something else I was kind of curious about too, um, you know, all right, so I've always been a, a big fan of of Get Go. You know, we were talking before the podcast and I was always amazed, it was like 2015, 2016. I used to go to the store at the Indianapolis airport or near the Indianapolis airport quite a bit. And um, I was always just struck by, you guys had a vegetarian menu at a time that hardly anyone did. But I think um, something else you don't always get a ton of credit for is how willing GitGo is to just embrace new technologies and experiment. And I've always thought that was really cool. Um, but Checkout Free in particular, I'm curious for how things have been going with that, because um, I know you've been experimenting with a store in Pittsburgh. Um, I've heard it's been going really well, but I was just curious, like, what's 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 been your biggest takeaway from that? You know, what is what has that taught you? Yeah, I think I think we're still in the <clears throat> very early phases, you know, um, as, as I think back to your comment about, you know, kind of 2015, 2016 and having the vegetarian menu, right? I mean, we, we're very fortunate on our side that, you know, we have um, Chef Tom. So anyone who knows Gecko knows Chef Tom. So Chef Tom is a real person. So he's not, um, he's not just this um, character we made up. So, you know, Chef Tom and, you know, Larry, who runs our, our food piece, have been extremely innovative with what they've done in food. And I think that extends through to the rest of, of Gecko. So, you know, we've, we've, we have been testing um, the frictionless checkout model um, at one location in Pittsburgh with um, a partnership with Grabango. Um, it's going very well. Um, so we're still in the lo- very early phases of what that looks like and what we're learning, customer adoption and things of that nature. But we've also um, gone a step further than that. So we've just, we are in the process of, uh, rolling out Invenco as our pump. So in all of our stores, you'll have a, um, a digital screen as you go to, um, uh, to pump that will show not only our advertising, but we hope, you know, one day to have that be something that the customers can actually utilize, whether it's for a personalized offer or something they want to order from the store. 
um, with the hopes of that. And, you know, I think lastly, we have partnered with a company called Cooler Screens and uh, based out of Chicago. And we have a five-store pilot on a digital cooler screen <clears throat> for our cold vault. You know, it's, it's a lot of learnings there with um, customer behavior, how long they stand in front of the door, how long from the time they open the door to where they pick an item, um, what the what the leakage rate would be if we didn't have their item, and what they're you know they're inclined to change to if we were missing that. So I think you know from a technology standpoint, um, you know we we're looking for any way possible to make it easy for the customer to get in and to get out and to get what they want how they want it. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of curious for your thoughts on on cooler screens. I remember when those launched, and they they had started, I believe, in in some Walgreens locations, and um, I think I might have seen one of them in New York. I don't remember, but um, so you know, as a consumer, I'll be honest, I, it always kind of seemed odd to me. But as a you know, I mean, I can look through the cooler and see what's in there. But from the advert from a from an advertiser's perspective, I definitely see the value there. You know what what is what is the play for your team? Is that really being used as as a tool for advertising, or where is uh, I guess kind of what is your target use case there? I'm curious yeah. about that. But I think there's three use cases. Mm-hmm. The first is we want to enhance <clears throat> want to enhance the customer experience in the store. So. You know, we've strategically put in low-profile gondolas so you have clear line of sight through the store. You know, we've put in 55 and 65-inch um, monitors and screens to do marketing throughout the store, whether it's food, cold vault, coffee, fountain, etc. cetera. Um, and cooler screens is the next um, enhancement of that where you can provide a digital experience for the customer, um, but also saves a little bit of energy is you're not opening the door. So the product, you know, stays colder, the cold vault runs a little more effectively, but you're, we're enhancing that customer experience first. Secondly is it is a marketing piece. Um, so you are able to work with um, cooler screens who works with some of these other companies, CPGs to do some of the marketing um, on the doors. Um, and what we've seen is in the five stores that we're testing is we've seen um, kind of a 3%, 3.5% sales increase versus some control stores that don't have that technology. So I think it is a marketing piece. I think the third piece of that is it there's a customer metrics and out-of-stock piece that you don't have today, right? Whether you self-distribute or whether you use a third-party distributor. One of the things that in our industry we don't have very good access to is data and out-of-stocks when it comes to mm-hmm. DSD deliveries. So what this is providing us is it provides us in real-time out-of-stock reports that we can share with Coke, Pepsi, and KDP, Red Bull to work with the account managers and the reps to make sure that we stay in stock. So it shows you missed sales. It shows you when you ran out of an item, when was the next time that item was actually in stock compared to what shows you on the screen. So I think we're at the very early phases of that, but I think long-term that's going to have significant um, growth and sales potential for us from being able to unlock and make sure unlock out of stocks to make sure we're in stock, especially at peak times. It also allows us 
to send alerts to the store to say, hey, you get ready to go through your lunch rush. I can see on the cooler doors that you have, you know, 60 out of stocks. Sometimes it's just as simple as them going to face the cooler mm-hmm. um, to trigger that item to be back into stock. So I think there's some um, significant sales opportunities ahead of us with those three looking at it those three ways. No, that's cool. I mean, as as a as a diehard energy drink customer, uh, <laughs> nothing's nothing's worse than you go in and your favorite flavor of particular sugar-free brand is empty and you're like, that's the entire reason I came to this store <laughs> is to get that. And now it's not there. So no, that's, that's pretty interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm curious too, with the, to go back to checkout free for a second. Um, I mean, I would assume most of us or all of us here have been on or been through an Amazon go at this point. It's, um, I remember my first time going going through that in Seattle, and you know you feel like you're stealing at first, and then you really do. I heard yeah. people say that, and then I did it, and I was like, "Wow, it really <laughs> does kind of feel that way." I walked in with with my laptop backpack and started stuffing things in there, and I'm like, "God, they're gonna think I'm I'm like, <laughs> you know, hijacking the store here." Um, but then you walk out, and about five seconds later, it hits, and you're like, "Why isn't this everywhere? This is the best thing in the world. I don't have to wait in line." Um, but I'm kind of curious for your thought on that type of technology and uh, where that might play out. I mean, I think it's a natural fit for convenience. I, my personal observation is, is as more convenience retailers expand their food service programs and do more in their store, they're getting long queues. And then it's it's a very odd thing because you want to be convenient, but if there's nine people in line, it's it's an inconvenient store suddenly, or you're late to work. Um, right. And at, and at the same time, you, you want to talk to your favorite employees and say hello, but they got to keep the line moving. So you can't even talk to them. Um, I think checkout free is like tailor made for this industry, but I'm curious, uh, do you, do you see that in the future or is this something that, um, you think might kind of just be hit or miss in a couple stores? No, I, I think, I think you have, um, I think we have to continue to learn, you know, we're in the very early phases with, with, the the Grabango technology in one store. Um, I do think that there is a customer that wants that. I think there's also a customer that probably wants to come into the store and they want the self-checkout piece. So we're also testing, um, you know, cash acceptors as part of our self-checkout piece as well. You're also going to have a person who wants to skip the line all entirely and do everything on the mobile app. So I, I think for us, we're using this as an opportunity to learn. I think we certainly will move to a phase where we go beyond the one store because I, I think what it is, is is providing customers uh, a breadth of options on how they want to get in and get out of the store. Mm-hmm. So they may want to come in and do the Amazon Go style, right? They may want to spend five minutes going through the MTO kiosk, uh, but don't want to come into the store and they can do that on the mobile app. Or to your point, Frank, they may want to have interaction with a with a cashier, but they don't want to wait in the line so they can still, you know, talk to their favorite cashier while they're checking themselves out in line. Um, and John, John, real quick, can you, ex- can you explain a little bit more about what the experience is like right now for customers at your store where you're testing the frictionless? So they have to download a mobile app or is that available via your Gecko app or how does it, how does it work from the customer perspective? So they would, they would download the mobile app um, sign up, put all their information in, they put their advantage card in. Um, so we, you know, for us, you know, um, you know, Gecko, you know, with our partnership with Giant Eagle, 
you know, we have our fuel perks, our advantage pay, you know, our loyalty program. So we've asked, we asked them to put their, um, their advantage card number in. They, um, once they're signed up, they can, they open the app when they come into the store. Um, they come in, they pick up what they want. There's a badge out section. So you would badge out at the front and you would leave. Um, so the badge out station, I think Frank eliminates the, I've, the, Amazon go feel of like, I think I'm stealing, um, but <laughs> yeah. they would take their iPhone, they would badge out or their, you know, their phone, they would badge out. And within an hour after leaving the store, you would get your receipt um, either emailed to you or it would populate on the app so you could see it. When you say badge out, are they kind of actually scanning things with their phone or how does that last step? What does that look like? No, they, um, so on the app, you have a QR code. Uh, and you go to it's it's literally kind of a two by two um, section where you can go you scan the code um, it knows what you picked up and what you put back down and what you're actually leaving the store with you scan it to say I'm done and then you leave so what you're doing is when you when you open the app and you walk in you're actually starting the transaction mm-hmm. as you walk throughout the store and pick up and put down items um, the technology is learning as you pick down and put up the items. And as you badge out, you're telling the technology it's time to stop. It calculates what you have, bills you and sends you a receipt. And then you're also getting all the data, I would assume, from what customers are doing to help. How does that help you with your uh, informed choices or? Yeah, I think, you know, as we as we experiment and continue to move forward, I think it's really going to help you with not necessarily the item they're buying, but the extra item. So what is a customer buying when they pick up? You know, what is that Red Bull customer picking up, you know, when they're in the store mm-hmm. so that you can start to, to not only um, group those items together, but you can also start to personalize offers so that I know that Frank comes into the store. He uses Grubango. He always buys the sugar-free, you know, Red Bull. And we can tailor offers and personalize offers to Frank, um, one, to get him to spend a little bit more. But two, if we just realize Frank hasn't been in the store in seven days and we want to send him a personalized offer, we can now do that um, as long as he's you know opted in and you know wants to receive those offers. But yeah, we could send him a personalized offer that says, hey, if you come back and buy that sugar-free Red Bull, we can give you an item. Or we can give you something off the sugar bowl, sugar-free Red Bull to come back and to try. So I think that's really the evolution of the technology um, as we go further down the line. You know, and um, kind of tying all all this together, I mean, it really sounds like at the end of the day, what you're talking about with all the different strategies here is just trying to reach consumers in whatever preferred channel they want to access you with. Um, you know, whether it's you know, coming in and ordering on a made-to-order kiosk, sitting in a car and doing curbside, you know, I mean, whatever it is, but, and that kind of adds, this kind of brings me to the topic of delivery. I'm curious for your your thoughts on a few things there. Um, you know, obviously this past year has just been a, a great market for delivery, and I think it's put it on everyone's radar, but I'm curious if, if you see that as, well, I, I guess I have two questions. I'm curious if you see that as a um, something convenience stores really need to be playing in. And at the same time, um, if they are, if they need to develop their own, their own, um, you know, their own delivery platforms or just rely on the third parties. I, I, I guess why I'm asking that question, you know, 
DoorDash is opening up a Dash Mart warehouse here in my market. So right now for Casey's Quickstar, Walgreens and CVS, you know, they're the only games on that currently. But uh, if past behavior is any indication in a, few, in a month or so, you're going to see a Dash Mart as the first option and they're going to start competing with them. Um, really, I guess, makes me wonder how reliable third party partnerships are um, for a future proof solution. I don't know. I'm curious for, for your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great uh, question, Frank, because I think, I think you have to be in the delivery business. Um, I think there are some things that are going to live long beyond um, the pandemic once the pandemic um, is over. And I think <clears throat> the delivery piece is there. I, I, I think as you start to look at a differentiated offer, to your point about Dashmark, right? A Snickers bar is a Snickers bar is a Snickers bar. No <laughs> offense to the M&MRs, right? But it's it's there. What what you can't compete with, what like a Dashmark or somebody can't do, is they can't get a hamburger and a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread and that same Snickers bar in one transaction. So I think creating a differentiated approach with your food offer um, is the way to go from a third-party service. I think with labor and payroll as tight as it is already, developing your own um, delivery service could present challenges. I'm not saying that down the road is not a possibility. What I think is is that we have to continue to see a DoorDash. We, we use um, DoorDash, but you could say you know, Grubhub or Uber, what you have to see is what what advancements are coming over the next kind of 12, 24, 36 months and say, um, and, and really think about what your delivery platform is going to be moving forward. Um, so I, I feel like right now for convenience, you need to be in the delivery business. And I think the the best alternative right now is use, utilizing one of those third-party services. They're just there's too many of them out there, and they're, they're right now they're really good at what they do, and they're they're already out on the road. So from a low no labor or low labor, you know, kind of look at uh, delivery. I think that's really the option, at least for the foreseeable future. Well, and you bring up a really good point, too, about um, having to make sure your offer is actually good. I mean, it, in a way, this makes me think of, I don't know if you've seen the whole debacle lately with Amazon Basics and Peak uh, Peak Design. They make some kind of high-end camera bags um, and really nice camera slings. Well, they've got this one bag that um, I think you can usually get at like REI, but it, it's a huge seller on Amazon. And, you know, they just discovered one day, wow, there's an Amazon Basics version that looks almost identical to this and is significantly cheaper. And instead of getting all upset about that, um, they ran the only good ad I've ever seen on YouTube um, and just poked fun at them, like made fun of it for being a cheap knockoff, saying that the product quality sucks and basically saying that, hey, look, our bag's expensive because it's really good. And um, But it's kind of that point. It's like, yeah, they're on Amazon and Amazon's competing with them, but it seems that they're just going to hang their hat on having a superior product. And I, I think what Dashmart's doing, though, really does raise that issue because 
Dashmart, I think, gets it. You know, they're out there trying to partner with local brands and spice companies and whatnot to have a differentiated offer. But I think the convenience retailers that are going to be hurt by this are the ones that don't actually have anything different in their stores. It's the ones that are just a warehouse for the major CPG companies. Um, I don't know. I feel like you guys have an advantage in that and that you actually do have a good food service program. Like I would want to that that's that's a reason why I would start my order. Um, online, you know, I'd be going to get one of those burritos or a vegetarian wrap. No, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, you start to use your food menu as a differentiated offer that now combines one trip, right? Because as a customer, you've got to pay a delivery fee. So if you're going to go to DoorDash and you're going to use the, 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 the dash for your center store item or a candy item, but then you're going to go to Gecko to get your burrito or your hamburger or your salad. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense to do two trips. And so, mm-hmm. what you start to see is that they're trying to capitalize on you know having their drivers out on the road and for a customer who just maybe wants a candy bar or something kind of late at night. Versus, um, you know, what we see is we see we see customers. Um, our delivery customer is probably. Um, double our normal ticket average. So that customer is buying food, but they're also buying some staple pantry items. And they're also buying um, some larger size items like a 12 pack of uh, soda or a 24 pack of water or something like that. So they're using that delivery service to kind of be an all in one. Yeah. Are they just kind of stocking up to make, you know, if they're already paying the delivery fee, it's like, hey, might as well make this count and get those other things that we needed while we're at it. Yeah, and to your point about not wanting to cook at home earlier, yeah. <laughs> whether right, you can you can uh, DoorDash get go, and you need a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread and a dozen eggs, you're you're there. You can get it all. You don't have to leave your house. If you're willing to pay that delivery fee that, that is charged, you can you can get your your essentials and you can get dinner. You don't have to cook and you don't have to leave your house. So I, I think it is a viable option. I think it's here to stay. You know, so something I know Aaron and I were, were wondering too, kind of closing out here and switching gears real quick is, um, all right, it's 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 March as of the time of recording here. We've been with this pandemic for about a year. Um, we know at least there's some kind of, uh, you know, end to this coming at some point whenever it's going to finally get here. But we're getting a lot closer than we were last year. Um, you know, so I think people are starting to ask, all right, what's what's actually going to stick from this? Um, you know, what's what's going to be around. And I'm kind of curious for your thoughts on that, especially on a couple things. I know you've mentioned the necessity of having a clean, a safe store, a place that, you know, has the right curb appeal and, you know, people can trust visiting. But as far as far as other consumer behaviors, um, how do you see things like remote work continuing to impact the industry or, um, maybe the right sizing of America's retail landscape. I think we know class A malls are probably going to thrive when uh, people go out. I, God knows I've got a tremendous amount of pent up demand to go back to box lunch and a couple and J crew and a few other stores, <laughs> assuming J crew survives this and gets their act together. But, um, you know, the rest of the malls probably are going to struggle. Um, how, how do you see some of these things playing out? Um, or I guess, what are, what are you guys looking at? So I, I it's a, it's a great question because I, I think we all wish we had um, the, the crystal ball, right? And could see <laughs> out um, six months and say, this is what we need to go do. So I, I, I think for me, the first and foremost, 
is you have to run um, a safe, clean store. That's going to be paramount, I think, over and above um, even some things that we may have thought of before, right? Having a broad assortment and having the, the best price in town. I think customers now are willing to pay for quality. They're willing to um, make their decision based off of where they feel safe, um, both personally and also from a safety and sanitation standpoint. Can they get what they want made in a food a, a clean food safe environment in a safe environment where they feel like people are, because I don't think the social distancing is going away. Um, you know, personally, I think, you know, you're going to, you're going to see a lot of people where they, they want to keep the six feet, they want to keep their distance. And so um, I think that first and foremost is where we're going to be. But I think as you start to look at like um, where travel and where our industry is going, um, you're a little encouraged by the president's um, address last week about mm -hmm. anybody who wants a vaccine um, will be able to get in line by May. I think our original thought was <clears throat> by Memorial Day, anybody who needed a vaccine and wanted one would have it. And by Labor Day, anybody who wanted a vaccine um, would be able to get one or would have one at that time. So I think the summer becomes important because I think automobile travel comes back much quicker than airline travel. So I think you see long weekends. I think you start to see people get together with small gatherings. I think you start to see people need um, gas, which also um, should enhance the trips that they are, are needing to do to go to get-go. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, what happens after the typical summer selling season is you have this extension of that season that falls into like September and October is people get, um, I hate to say back to life, but th the County fairs are going right. Mm -hmm. Kids are going mm -hmm. back to school. I, I think you have a mix of mom and dad, um, going back to work in some form or fashion. It may not be every day, but it may be two times a week. It may be three times a week. Um, so I think you start to pick up that breakfast day part again, kind of that September, October timeframe. So as kids go back to school, I think parents go back to work. You know, I think you're hopefully at, at least 50% capacity in football stadiums around the world. As you get into like September, you start to have some, some concerts and some, outdoor events. And as I think as that's, as those things start to happen, I think you start to pick that customer base back up. And that's really what we're, we're looking at. Very neat. I know I've talked to a lot of retailers who have kind of echoed that they think a lot of the habits that customers have kind of you know, begun to have during the pandemic are, are really going to continue to, to stick around because their habits now, like ordering delivery, like, um, you know, if they've been using a drive through, they're still going to want that drive through. Are there are there any habits that you're looking at that you expect that that customers are really still going to be gravitating toward, you know, even as we come out of this this current year? Yeah, I, 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 Aaron, I think you're I think you're right. And I think the industry <clears throat> um, when you when you ask the people in the industry, I think we all are kind of aligned to the fact that 
I think drive through in some form or fashion is going to, is going to be here. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at that as an option um, as well. You know, right now, you know, mobile app payment and running it out to the car. So they do, customer doesn't have to come in. And I think it, it really for us means <clears throat> making sure that we are flexible and that we are, um, I say eager to fail because you have to try things and then you have to fail and you have to learn quickly and then you have to, to pivot. Right. Um, but I think, you know, mobile ordering curbside touchless, um, self-checkout, um, you know, we have a really good, a really, as I say, good, great car wash program at Gecko. you know, so you start to talk about, you know, contactless, right. If I'm a customer, and I'm signed up at Gecko with our Advantage Pay. I can come in. I don't have to pull my credit card out. Um, I can Advantage Pay and I can save on gas. I can mobile order while my gas is being done. As I'm done with that, I can drive around the building. I can go to a contactless, touchless car wash. I can pull up in the curbside spot and someone will bring me out my order and I can go. I think that's reality as we start to look at what's coming forward. You're also going to have people that want to do what Frank said, right? Frank can't wait to get back to the mall and to J crew and they want to come back and maybe they haven't seen their favorite cashier in a year and they're going to want to come inside and they're going to want to, you know, go through the checkout experience and things like that. I, I think we have to be flexible to say that some of what we've gone through in the last year is going to stick. And some people want to go back to what it was or what, whatever the new is going to be. And I think we have to be flexible and able to adapt to that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot. I mean, I think there is a lot of pent up demand for a lot of things that we just weren't able to do last year. You know, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like I'm on all sides of, of things right now because it's like on one hand, it's yeah, there's a lot that changed this last year. But at the same time, it kind of reminded us. Um, I don't know, at least I feel it personally, how much I valued things like just getting out and walking around the mall or um I mean, going, just going to a local restaurant to grab a cocktail and something to eat on Friday nights. It's like, you know, I don't always want to sit at home and have everything delivered, um, you know, as convenient as that is. Um, but, you know, I'm curious to see uh, what that rush back looks like. And then once that kind of tempers down and pulls back where we find ourselves in some kind of new normalcy. Um I don't know. Definitely going to be an interesting, like. an interesting year, an interesting couple of years coming up as we come out of this. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I think that's a good ending point for us. But um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for joining us on the podcast today. This was a, this this was a good conversation, and um, yeah, always enjoy watching what you guys do at GetGo. Um, you guys have always really kind of pressed the envelope on a lot of things uh, and been early early movers. It's it's a great company to watch. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me. I mean, it it's, it is a truly a team effort. I mean, we're you know, for me, I'm truly blessed that I have a I have a great team that supports me. We have a great Gecko um, leadership team that starts with, you know, our 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 president. And um, you know, I mean, everyone has that entrepreneurial spirit here at Gecko to to do what's right for our customer, our business, um, and our team members. And so, you know, when you think about those three things, if it's a, if you can answer yes for all of those, it's it's worth it's worth trying. So I think. Um, you know, we have a great team here and so we're really fortunate, but thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thank thanks, you. John.